Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. Let's get right to it. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Truth Hurts Program with your host, Steve Z. It is the last day of March, the 31st day of March, 2021. This is the Truth Hurts Program, where we tell it like it is. Republicans are opening a new front in the pandemic culture wars, attacking efforts by the gropey Joe Biden administration to develop guidelines for what is being called coronavirus vaccination passports that businesses can use to determine who can safely participate in activities such as airline flights, cruises, concerts, and even indoor dining and church services. The issue has received a lot of attention from some of the Republican Party's most extreme members and from conservative media figures like yours truly. But it has recently been seized upon by Republican leaders like Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who is considered a potential 2024 presidential candidate. DeSantis said to the media on Monday, we are not supporting doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you the requirement to show proof of a vaccine just to simply be able to participate in normal society. I have called this vaccination passport a double-edged sword for the Democrats because those same people who are now saying you should carry a vaccination ID card proving you did this are the same clowns who say you don't need a voter ID card or even a state ID card or driver's license in order to exercise the privilege of voting in the United States of America. Biden's mark of the beast is what Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has called the passport idea, and I agree with her. Some ultra-conservative activists are comparing it with the Nazi policies used to identify Jews, like the Scarlet Letter. The hypercharged rhetoric is directed at an initiative between the Biden administration and several private for-profit companies seeking to develop a standard way for Americans to prove that they've received the Wuhan China novel coronavirus vaccine. The idea behind the passports, certificates, or ID cards is that it would be a simple way to ensure that people could return to normal activities without risking further spread of the Wuhan China virus that kills less than 0.003% of those who contract the virus and a far, far smaller percentage of Americans' population in general. Yes, boys and girls, Unlike some of the recent attacks from conservatives focused on cultural or economic issues, which centered on Dr. Seuss's books, for example, this one focuses on the Biden administration directly, and it taps into that warning light that's flashing and sirens are blaring that the federal government is trying yet again to dig further and further into your freedoms, erode your liberties, and control the population in Orwellian fashion. David Boas is an executive vice president of the Cato Institute, a self-described libertarian think tank. Now you would think this guy would be automatically sending up flares and calling out the troops because of a government overreach like a vaccine ID card or a vaccine passport. He had this to say, 
There's been this pent-up opposition to lockdowns and mask mandates, and so this is building on that. Now there's this suggestion that if you don't get a vaccine, you might not be able to do, we're not quite sure what. I can see how there's a market for concern. He's correct. There should be a market for concern. Requiring someone to present an ID card or a passport or some certificate showing that I've been vaccinated against this disease is just the beginning. Why not require every single solitary American to be vaccinated against AIDS? Because, you know, it could happen, right? And then put that on your little vaccination certificate. And that you might as well be tested to see if you've ever smoked cigarettes or other tobacco products. And therefore, that gets placed on your medical ID passport. Or any other disease, any other vaccination. Sign the papers, old man. You must present your papers or you cannot come into the restaurant. Democrats and those on the left see this as an attack on Biden directly and his handling of the pandemic. They claim he's done a marvelous job. But those on the right, the conservatives, the Republicans, know that 99% of the good response to the COVID vaccine and COVID virus in general was begun by the Trump administration and then simply adopted by the Biden administration. Yes, those clowns on the left say under Biden's watch, vaccine distribution has ramped up. It really hasn't. And they're also claiming that vaccine hesitancy has declined. It has in some areas. COVID-19 deaths have plummeted from their January highs in the beginning of the Biden administration, partly because larger portions of older Americans have now already been inoculated thanks to Operation Warp Speed and the fantastic planning and implementation of Operation Warp Speed by the Trump administration. The effort by Republicans to create doubt about a vaccine passport program threatens to define the Biden administration's effort while it's in its earliest phase. And hopefully the American people are wise enough to see that calling for a vaccine passport is just as racist as calling for voter ID in states where that is not required. The double standard is alive and kicking, folks. The airline industry, the cruise ship industry, entertainment values, and even sports leagues have all been discussing the idea of a passport in order to allow people into venues, airlines, and cruise ships, as well as other venues. Biden administration officials have said there will be no national mandate, but companies might require it. I can tell you one thing. If a company tells me, if you don't come in here and show me your passport, you have to leave, I will find a competitor that does not require such a thing. I will patronize that competitor, and I will never darken the doorstep of that first business who wants to see me show my papers to the Gestapo at the door. Matt Gorman is a Republican strategist. He said the fierce opposition from many in the party spawned organically and called the news that the White House is working with the business community on passports or certificates is a trial balloon that went over more like a lead balloon. A healthy distrust of government when it comes to health care is nothing new, said Gorman, who used to work for the National Republican Congressional Committee. It's a line of messaging that has been very successful to Republicans going all the way back to Obamacare. It also should resonate with the Blafrican-American 13% minority hyphenated community because of the Tuskegee experiment. The entire idea of, if you don't show us a passport, we don't serve your kind in here, 
should ring true with the Blafrican American minority community. The conservative attacks have been launched while the White House took on a more significant role in a private sector-initiated vaccine passport effort. White House officials say they would prefer to have it referred to as a vaccine verification, as aides work with dozens of federal agencies to identify what data is available and how the passports could be best deployed. Some federal agencies are reported to be actively working to help provide passports to their staffs or people who use their services. The Department of Veterans Affairs, for example, which provides health care to millions of veterans, is implementing a VA-issued vaccine credential. Passport plans build off of work led by the Department of Health and Human Services and that freak, Dr. Levine, to ensure that in-development passport data systems meet privacy and accessibility standards and could be protected against fraud. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about this project to develop a vaccine passport on Monday, and she said that the White House's administration effort is focused on guidelines. She also stated there will not be a centralized federal database showing who in the country has received vaccinations, and there are no plans for any federal mandate that all citizens carry a vaccine credential. She did decline to provide any timeline about what federal guidance on the issue might be released and when. A growing number of travel and entertainment businesses said they will require customers to prove they've been vaccinated. Some businesses say they've remained undecided. Carnival Corporation spokesman Roger Frizzell said the cruise line giant was encouraged by recent vaccination breakthroughs, but closely monitoring the evolving situation before imposing vaccination requirements. Hear this loud and clear, Carnival. I will never board any of your cruise ships if you require me or anyone to show a vaccination passport. It's my privacy. It's my right. And if you infringe upon that right, I will not give you a dollar of my money. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida has promised an executive order barring Florida from participating in any vaccination credentialing efforts and is urging the state's legislature to act as well. You might recall he was a leading opponent of pandemic restrictions and has often dismissed the advice of the public health so-called experts who have criticized his downplaying of the importance of masks and other precautions, even though his state, Florida, has been a leader in reductions and minimalization of the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus. Of course, a lot of support for this vaccination passport program is hoped to be achieved by the Democrats if they could just convince the orange man to go along with the idea. I don't see that happening anytime soon. If they ask me, folks, to show my vaccine passport, I'm going to drop trow and show them the dark side of the moon. That's all the vaccine passport they need to see out of me. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. Focahontas Elizabeth Warren is sitting back in her office today, scratching her head, pouting and saying, Gropey Joe Biden has decided not to call for a wealth tax to help pay for his multi-trillion dollar so-called Build Back Better initiative. This according to many people familiar with the White House's way of thinking. In doing so, he sidesteps a proposal that Democrat progressives led by Elizabeth Focahontas Warren said could raise trillions of dollars in revenue and narrow something that she calls income inequality. 
The decision comes amid intense debate in Washington, D.C. over how to fund the president's sprawling $3 trillion proposal. Democrats are pushing for a variety of tax hikes because that's what Democrats do. They raise taxes. Then they spend the money and claim they don't have enough money, so they raise taxes some more. Republicans are vowing to oppose any package that relies on tax increases in order to raise revenue. As a presidential candidate, Gropey Joe shied away from the full embrace of the wealth tax, which Warren popularized on the trail and has since introduced into Congress. The policy calls for a 2% annual tax on households with a net worth above $50 million, which would raise 3% for those with net worth over a billion. Biden's White House had not outright rejected the idea publicly, and Treasury Secretary Ancient Janet Yellen said earlier this month that the administration was undecided on whether or not to pursue it. That fueled optimism amongst supporters that some form of a penalizing wealth tax would ultimately be used to help pay for these Democrat wish lists like infrastructure, clean energy, climate change, broadband, and school repairs. Supporters argued that it would be both lucrative, some economists estimate it would raise about $3 trillion over 10 years, and it would be popular, with polls showing 7 in 10 voters somewhat or strongly supposedly supporting the proposal. I guess they didn't poll any Republicans. Indeed, the idea helped fuel Warren's early rise in the 2020 presidential campaign, and she turned it into a populist campaign theme that crowds were chanting two cents at her events. They probably meant her idea wasn't worth two cents. The White House is expected instead to turn to a variety of other ways to pay for this massive $3 trillion proposal, like a hike in the corporate tax rate, ending of federal fossil fuel subsidies, and a push to end offshore tax havens for corporations. Even though Gropey Joe has opposed Warren's structuring of tax during the campaign, he has latched on to the redistribution of wealth type tax policy as a larger concept in general. Their plans address the problems mostly differ. The president shares her view that the middle class families are paying more than their fair share and that those at the top are not doing their part, but they both decline to admit that they're giving away money to people who refuse to work in the form of federal so-called social programs. Biden said, we have to start rewarding work, not just wealth. Well, there you go. You can't achieve wealth until you work. And you can't achieve wealth by just giving people subsistence living in the form of welfare, food stamps, social security, supplemental income, WIC, crazy checks, and all the other government giveaways that people who refuse to work seem to always gravitate towards and suck off of like a starving calf at its mother's udders. Inside the White House, the idea that Gropey Joe might embrace Warren's approach after plainly rejecting it during the campaign was difficult to understand. Gropey Joe's aides also don't see any political risk in casting a wealth tax aside, noting that he supports several tax hikes on the wealthy already, taking steps to hike capital gains and estate taxes and raise the top individual tax rate would target rich Americans directly and probably cost our economy greatly. Biden and Warren agree on some other measure to increase taxes on the rich, according to Warren's spokesperson, including through eliminating a stepped-up basis loophole that can allow the wealthy to pass fortunes on to their heirs tax-free. In other words, if you have anything in the bank when you die and you try to give it to your children as an inheritance, Biden and Miss Warren 
want to come after that money with massive taxes on the inheritance. The bottom line here, folks, is this. Donald Trump did something amazing during his four years in office. He lowered taxes on most Americans around the country. He created more jobs than any president in modern history. He reduced unemployment to its lowest levels in many decades. He increased the job participation rate, particularly in minorities, to their highest levels in recorded history. And he did all of these things while cutting taxes, reducing restrictions, cutting fees. And now the Democrats, the greedy pricks that they are, they simply want to just turn around and tax, tax, tax you to death. And with Democrats controlling both houses of Congress and the White House, it's pretty, pretty sure that your taxes are going up. And they'll just simply say, oops, we forgot to mention you all. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The National Rifle Association, better known as the NRA, is now challenging gropey Joe Biden's clownish gun advice and carries phantom AR-16 along with Biden's imaginary AR-14. As the gun debate continues to heat up again and again and again, the nation's gun manufacturing lobby and gun users lobby is pointing out what very little that gropey Joe Biden and his team actually know about weapons and why people feel the need to protect themselves. In a newly released four-minute video, the NRA asks, why is it that people who want to take our guns know absolutely nothing about them? The new video leaves the mockery of Biden, spokeswoman Jen Psaki, and John Kerry to key Republican shooters, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, Representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio and Burgess Owens of Utah, and North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. I'm going to play the audio of this video and let you take a listen to it. It is kind of hilarious. If you want to protect yourself, get a double-barrel shotgun. Have the shells and 12-gauge shotgun. And I promise you, as I told my wife, we live in an area that's wooded and somewhat secluded. I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here. Walk out, put that double-barrel shotgun and fire two blasts outside the house. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to... You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use, and in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. There are, uh, it's almost like, where do, you, where do you start? Have them come to Philadelphia. Have them come to Detroit, uh, Chicago, and uh, walk outside and, and use a shotgun and see what happens at that point. Aren't warning shots illegal? You know, Americans ought to have the right to defend themselves precisely the way that the Constitution and our founders understood it. Uh, somehow the idea that uh, President Biden gets to decide precisely which firearms we ought to have and precisely how we ought to protect our home and our family is absolutely ludicrous. It's harder to aim. It's harder to use. So if it's harder to shoot an AR-15 than it is a double-barrel shotgun, why aren't we banning double-barrel shotguns? <laughs> I'm 
you know, the president addressing gun violence in the country and putting in place additional safety measures is something that the president has a personal commitment to, uh, and his history on this issue is evidence of that. Uh, you know, he's obviously taken on the NRA twice uh, and won, uh, and he is happy and eager to do that in the future. Take when? Uh, when did he take on the NRA? When did he win? <laughs> I, I must have missed that gunfight. <laughs> you know, I got to say, the left, they practice deception. Number one, the framing about taking on gun violence. Let me say, it'd be very good for Joe Biden to take on gun violence. Here's the way you do that. You go after criminals. You go after murderers. You go after people who use guns to kill people and hurt people, and you put them in jail and you prosecute them. Now, we'll see what Joe Biden does, but I can tell you what Barack Obama and Joe Biden did, which is they ratcheted back the prosecution of gun crimes. They, they reduced the resources, the time, the energy, the cases that were brought prosecuting actual criminals. And by the way, Kamala Harris, the vice president, raised money to bail out violent criminals who were rioting in our country. So when I hear a, a Democratic spokeswoman say, we're against gun violence, no, you're not. When you're funding it, when you're celebrating it, when you're encouraging it, you want to be against gun violence, go after the criminals. He's had guns and protection around him his entire life, and yet, uh, we see what's happening in those communities that do not have the same protection. But, you know, she is right in something. If you want to know what Joe Biden will do, look to the history. When he was asked, are you going to come after the gun rights of law-abiding citizens? His answer was, bingo. That's exactly what the far left wants. They don't want to stop criminals with guns, which we all should be united on. They want to stop you from having the right to defend yourself. They want to disarm you, not because you're violent, not because you're a criminal, but because you're a free and independent American. We're going to defend our liberty, despite their lies. I got news for you. I'm sure there's not a veteran here who would take an AR-16 with a long clip to go out and shoot a deer or shoot anything. There has no business. Joe led the fight to get those things off the street. Mr. Kerry, AR-16s are already off the street. They don't exist. They really believe they know everything about everything, uh, and they know nothing about guns. Uh, so in other words, the guy who flies around the world in his private jet lecturing us about climate change is now telling us that we're going to get rid of a gun that doesn't exist. Oh, you know, just, just brilliant. <laughs> that is some of the most entertaining commentary that I've heard on the gun debate. I'm a little disappointed they didn't mention when Joe Biden said they were going to take away your AR-14. So between the AR-14, which doesn't exist, and the AR-16, which doesn't exist, we have a weapon called the AR-15, which uses the exact same rounds, the exact same bullets that I use in my hunting rifle. It's just a scary-looking gun, so they want to use that as their means of getting rid of it. Well, if getting rid of something because it's scary looking were the norm, we would have gotten rid of Michelle Obama. We would have gotten rid of Camel Toe Harris. We would have gotten rid of lots of these really scary looking Democrats like Nancy Pelosi, Chuckle Schumer, Adam Schiff, and the like. Yes, being ugly and scary looking is not a crime. What's a crime is trying to disarm the American public trying to erode your Second Amendment constitutional right to keep and bear arms. That is the scary and the ugly part of the Biden administration. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program.
And I warned you about this weeks ago when the Capitol riots were underway. I mentioned the fact that the folks who were committing actual violence, actual property damage, major riot issues over in Seattle, Portland, and other cities had been virtually let off scot-free early in the process, but that the Democrats don't mind sacrificing a few of their own here and there if it achieves their greater purpose. Their greater purpose now seems to be an intent to put every one of the people arrested at the Capitol riots behind bars for lengthy prison sentences, even though the vast majority of those people only committed very minor infractions, like walking into a building that was wide open and walking down a hallway, but they were arrested nonetheless. A Washington state man was sentenced to 40 months in prison for throwing Molotov cocktails during the violent protests in Seattle last summer to protest the death of the criminal George Floyd. The U.S. District Court in Seattle officially issued a prison sentence to Kelly Thomas Jackson, age 21, with three years of supervised release. He was arrested in September. He pled guilty in January to two counts of possession of a destructive device. He was accused of throwing two Molotov cocktails that hit and burned two Seattle police vehicles to the ground during the protest. Unlike the vast majority of demonstrators who came downtown into Seattle to protest peacefully against systemic racism, this defendant came armed with Molotov cocktails. The danger to others is captured in pictures from the scenes. Flames from the burning cars and the burning gasoline spread along the sidewalk and pollutant-filled smoke billowed into the ground. This isn't free speech. It is criminal conduct deserving of a federal prison sentence, said acting U.S. Attorney Tessa Gorman. According to federal court documents, law enforcement following a May 30th demonstration in Seattle uncovered various videos of a white male suspect in distinctive clothing using glass containers with a flammable material and a wick to burn or attempt to burn two police vehicles. Jackson was later identified as the man captured in the videos through an anonymous tip to law enforcement. Additional evidence tied him to the scene of the demonstration, and other videos showed the man throwing a Molotov cocktail into a police vehicle, then hiding himself in the crowd and jumping up and down with excitement after his crime. A police probe into Jackson's internet history showed that leading up to the incident, he had researched how to make Molotov cocktails. Listen, folks. That's a whole lot different than a guy walking in and sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk and putting his feet up on the desk. This guy deserves major prison time for endangering the lives of the public directly by using a gasoline propellant and setting fire to a vehicle which could have exploded and sent very, very many people to hospital. Way different than putting your feet on nasty Nancy Pelosi's desk. I'm telling you folks, They're using this right now as the basis for their justification for why each and every one of the Capitol people from January 6th should all rot in prison for the remainder of their miserable Republican lives. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Introducing the 2021 Schluter Liberal battery-powered sports car for the flamboyant ultra-liberal who wants to go really fast. 
The Schluter Liberal is powered by four electric motors and 968 AA batteries that can propel this new car up to 160 miles per hour in only nine seconds. Do you need to travel far? The Schluter Liberal can travel up to 13 miles before needing new batteries, which can be purchased just about anywhere. For an additional $12,500, you can upgrade your Schluter Liberal to rechargeable batteries. You'll never have to drop off boxes of depleted batteries again at one of those pesky recycling centers. You'll never use fuel again. Simply recharge your Liberal at home. Shh, don't tell anyone that your home electrical service is still dependent on fossil fuel generating stations. That will be our little secret. Worried about safety? The Schluter Liberal is a two-seater that weighs in at 9,250 pounds. It comes with Kamala airbags, the kind you have to blow yourself, and self-groping seatbelts shaped like the President's own hands. And with starting prices at an impressive ultra-low $89,999, you can be the first person on your cul-de-sac to own a Schluter Liberal two-seat sports car. So order yours now. They're available only in California, while federal subsidies last. Plus federal tax, state tax, city tax, wealth tax, income tax, inheritance tax, estate tax, excise tax, capital gains tax, reparations fee, donation to Democrat National Committee, title, license, destination, entitlement, and fees. Some assembly required. Safety claims are totally false. Disposal of old batteries in landfills makes us cry. That's going to do it for this edition of the Truth Hurts program for Wednesday. March 31st, 2021. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Program Network. All rights reserved.